0: to john chapter 15 we'll be in john 15 today we're in a series titled the demands of discipleship and in this series we're looking primarily at the gospels at matthew mark luke and john and we're looking at what jesus says what it means to be a disciple. What are his commands for you and I? What are his demands on discipleship? And so we have a couple purposes behind this series. Number one, as disciples, we want to know what our king has called us to do. We want to live in a way that honors him and glorifies him. So we're going through this text as a means of learning and being equipped to live as God has called us to. But number two, if you remember, when we look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and to observe. He's called us not just to teach, but help people to actually learn what it is to live like Jesus. And so, uh, we are also in this series, we're listening not only for ourselves, but also for the sake of how we come alongside others and teach them what it means to be a believer, what it means to follow Jesus. And really that that's a goal behind every single sermon series. We should always be listening first for ourselves and second, how do we then equip others? So today we're going to be in John 15. And Jesus in this text is moments away from being arrested he's just uh, he's been in the upper room he's washed the disciples feet they've taken the Last Supper they've now left the room they're heading to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane so he's moments away from being arrested and he's giving the disciples his last words before he'll be arrested before he'll be crucified he's wanting them to know what is it going to look like for them to live in his absence and I don't think there's any way we can overemphasize the importance of this text i mean in this text jesus is going to say if we understand it we will have assurance of our salvation our lives will glorify god our prayers will be answered and we will be full of joy and he's giving this for every single believer not for certain categories of believers but this is for every single person and you almost when you're reading through it you go man it almost sounds too good to be true But this is what he wants us to know on how we are to live as his disciples. So before we look at John 15, I want you just to think about how you would answer these questions. How would you, if someone came up to you, how would you describe the Christian life to them? What would you say it looks like to be a Christian on a daily basis? How important is it that we are regularly in God's word? And how important is it that we obey the commands of scripture now don't just think about what you would say but i also want you to think how does your life answer that question right now so sometimes we all know the answer is jesus every time you know we just say jesus and we win you know we get the prize but we also say how does your life right now answer the question what does it look like to be a disciple to be a follower of jesus christ so if you have your bibles go ahead and turn to john chapter 15 1 through 11 is what we're going to read and i invite you to stand here at timberline we stand when we read god's word we do so for exercise no not really uh, but we do so uh, to remind ourselves that this word is inspired by the spirit given to us for the purpose of equipping us of training us for righteousness that you and i that we would be equipped for everything that God calls us to do. Do you know that? Through this word, you are equipped to do everything that God has called you to do. So let's now read verses 1 through 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's read. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this text. And I pray for your spirit right now to work through your word. And that you would accomplish all that you purpose right now lord draw us close to you help us to understand how we are to live as your disciples bring us to repentance where we need to repent correct us where we need to be corrected encourage us through your word fill us with boldness because of what we learned today lord may we truly know what it is to abide in you and thus bear good fruit may our lives be ever increasingly fruitful because of what we read in your text today in your name jesus amen you all may be seated so we're going to see at least three things and and this is just so you know this this passage is like packed we're not covering it all we're not even getting close to it all Um, In fact, the sermon I preached yesterday online that people who are online watching this is different than this sermon now that we're preaching because there's so much here. Um, But we're going to see at least three things. Number one, there's a picture of the Christian life. Number two, there's a command that's going to then apply that picture to you and to me, to every disciple. And then there's an effect. If If we obey the command... What does that look like? What is the effect of that command in your life and my life? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a picture of command and effect. We'll start with the picture. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we begin to see that in verse 1 where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now that is an incredibly theologically packed sentence right there. And this is one of the reasons we need to know our Bibles. We need to be in them each and every day. Because Jesus right now, is he's building on a theme on the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, when God saved Israel out of Egypt, he compared them to a vine. And he, like, let me give you an example. In, in Psalm chapter 80, verses 8 and 9, this is what he says. You brought a vine out of Egypt. He's talking about Israel. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, took deep root and filled the land. So what we have is in the Old Testament, we regularly see Israel is God's vine. They are the recipients of his blessing, and they are to produce a fruit that glorifies God. They're to display his worth in this world. But there's a problem and if you're familiar with the old testament you know that israel continually rebels against god rather than produce good fruit rather than display the worth of god they reject god's worth and they honor themselves they produce bad fruit so in hosea chapter 10 this is what we read verses 1 and 2 israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit the more his fruit increased the more altars he built as his country improved he improved his pillars their heart is false now they must bear their guilt the lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars so here we have we have israel's to be this vine and the father takes care of it and he plants it and, and he waters it and he sends prophets to it that they would tend to it and rather than honor god rather than be in obedience to god they make all these false pillars and altars to these false gods they worship anything other than god and so god says i will come and break down their altars i will uproot this vine in fact we read this in isaiah chapter 5 this is what god says verse 5 and 6 god says and now i will tell you what i will do to my vineyard i will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. So rather now than experiencing the blessings of God, because they have broken covenant with God, because they have disobeyed God, they're now going to experience the curses of God's covenant and so experience his judgment upon them and in 722 BC the northern kingdom is going to be defeated by Assyria and they're going to go into exile and in 586 BC the southern kingdom is going to be defeated by Babylon and be taken into exile so all of God's people are now displaced out of the land that God has given them and they're in different lands because they have rejected their God and so to come back now to John 15 Israel in the Old Testament was to be the vineyard of God, to display the worth of God. But they didn't do that. They continually failed. And so now God then sends Jesus, that Jesus would be the true vine. And so Jesus now comes to fulfill the role that Israel was not able to fulfill. Jesus becomes The true Israel. He becomes the one who is perfectly faithful and obedient to God. Jesus is going to be the vine who displays the worth of God. He's going to be the object and the recipient of all of God's blessings. And then when we read in verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the what? This is like where we do that interactive thing. And you are the? They're like you guys, like you catch on so quick. I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit so jesus says i am the vine now if you are going to receive the blessings of god if you're going to be a part of the people of god it's not about your genealogy it's not about tracing anything back to abraham it's not about being a jew it's about trusting in jesus christ that we would be a branch connected to the vine jesus and because we are connected to the vine jesus christ we are now part of the people of god you see israel in the old testament was given the law but the law does not have the power to save. you know the law was never intended to save anyone what the law does in the old testament it reveals our sin it reveals the fact that we need a savior it reveals the fact that you keep failing to meet the law that no, we, we can't obey it. We can never earn our own righteousness. Which is why Jesus Christ comes. He leaves heaven, comes to earth, that he would live the perfect and righteous life. And after about 30 years or so of being on earth, he's arrested and he's crucified. So he would die and pay the penalty for our sins so that by believing in him, we would be forgiven and we would have everlasting life now just think about that we would have everlasting life how do we have that life because we're a branch connected to the vine the life that we have is christ inside of us just as a branch is sustained by the life of the vine so you and i are sustained by the life of christ the life that we have the everlasting life we have is christ in us this is why at the end of verse 5 jesus says apart from me you can do nothing if you're not connected to the vine you have no life in you which is why we read throughout god's word and we regularly preach here that you might be a morally good person You might do a lot of really good things. You might be involved in charities. You might give much of your money away. You might volunteer in many different ways. And those things are wonderful. But they will not move you into the kingdom of heaven. You will never earn your righteousness before God. Because if you're not connected to the vine, if you're not believing in Jesus, then you have no life in you. And the result of any branch not connected to the vine is what it will wither and it will die and it will eventually be thrown into the fire which we'll see later in our text in fact in my in my backyard uh, we have all these rhododendrons in our backyard and, and we like the rhododendrons I and mean you can't really kill them and so that's really our kind of plant um, <laughs> it really is uh, and so this last summer one of them well some of them had all kind of grown really big but one of them was definitely much bigger than the other ones and so uh so i got my my clippers and i got a reciprocating saw and i took off every single branch on it i brought it from 10 feet tall to this big there was not one single green leaf on it when i was done surrounded by me was was branches now some of these branches i mean they had massive amount of leaves of, of fruit on them but i just want you to think now if i would taken one of these branches that were on the ground all leafy and beautiful and i have a ton of duct tape at my house i don't really know why my parents in all buy me duct tape every birthday and every christmas and somehow i just obtain a lot of duct tape so let's say i take my duct tape And I just start wrapping one of these branches back onto the rhododendron. What's that going to do? Is that going to work? Is that that branch now that's taped back on to the rhododendron going to continue to grow? Is it going to continue to produce fruit? No. It's not connected to the vine. It's not connected to the life of the plant. And so here, Jesus is saying, he's giving us a picture of this vine and branches of what it looks like to be a Christian. And there's at least two things that we learn here. At least two. Number one, we're connected to Jesus just as a branch is connected to a vine. He wants us to see that. Number two, we depend upon Jesus as a branch depends upon the life of the vine. If the branch is severed from the vine, it dies. If we're not connected to Christ, if we're not depending upon Christ, we will wither and die. In fact, if you think about this, this is pretty similar to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Some of you might know that verse. It's where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice those words. Christ lives in me. The reason the branch is alive is because it has the life of the vine inside of it. Paul is saying in just different words that because he's believed in Jesus Christ, now Christ is inside of him, and he is alive. He's connected to Christ, and he depends upon Christ, just as a branch depends and is connected to the vine. So what we're going to do now is we're going we're to switch over and look at the command now so we've seen the picture vine and branches and now we're going to look at how do we take that picture and we apply it to our life and jesus does it by giving us the command abide in me if you look at verse four we read abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me Now, the word abide appears 11 times here in verses 11 through 16. So Jesus is trying to say something pretty important about abiding. In fact, if you go to 1 John, he also, John is the author of both of these, he also writes a lot about abiding in Jesus. Now, the word is not too complicated in and of itself. It means to remain. It means to continue. It means to dwell. And so here in verse 4, we see that just as a branch separated from the vine, is without life. So the one who does not abide in Jesus is without life and cannot produce fruit. He's calling us to remain in Jesus, to continue in Jesus, to dwell in Jesus. Look back at verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. And you can see he's making the connection. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Do you see how he's taking the picture? Branches need a vine if they're going to bear fruit. You need to abide in Christ if you're going to bear fruit. He's making that connection here. He's giving us the picture and he's driving it home with the command. So the question then is is really so what does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? Well, when we look at the vine and branches, we came up with at least two things be connected to be dependent so let's just look at that to abide in jesus means that we're connected to jesus look at verse four in verse four we read abide in me and i in you verse five whoever abides in me and i in him verse seven if you abide in me and what and my words abide in it's not a trick question if you abide in me and my words abide in you so do you, do you see how there's this connectedness? We're in him and he's in us. This is, Paul will use this language in the Gospels. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. He's talking about being connected to Christ. He's talking about our identity as a believer is in Jesus Christ. So one of the things that Jesus is telling us, he's calling us to abide in him, is to remember every single day who you are in Jesus Christ. That you are a child of God, adopted into the family of God because of Christ. That we are citizens of God's kingdom because of Christ. And that the only reason we will then one day be able to enter into the new kingdom of heaven is because when God looks at you, who does he see in you? Christ. It's his righteousness in us which is why we can then enter into the kingdom of God and dwell with God forever. It's because we're connected. He is in us, and we are in him. Remember, going back to Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. When Christ died, what happened to us? We died also. When he rose, what does Romans 6, six right? Man, I'm blanking. Romans six 6.8, we rose with him. The life of Christ is our life, just as the branch has the life of the vine in it, so you and I have the life of Christ in us. So what he's calling us to do, every day, every day you wake up, every day you go to work, every day you're working in the home, wherever you are, remember who you are. You are connected to Christ. Your life is Christ, which is why... We all know, we all love the famous words of Paul in Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. See, you guys did so much better there. To live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, whatever I do, whatever I do in my life, and even when I die, it's all about Jesus because Jesus is my life. I live to make much of Christ because the only reason I'm alive is because his life is in me. So he's reminding us know your identity know that you're connected to jesus so that was the first thing we saw but we also see to abide in jesus means we are dependent upon jesus just as a branch is continually dependent upon the vine so we are dependent upon jesus now this is a little different so we're in christ and christ is in us but christ isn't dependent upon us is he jesus doesn't stop being jesus if we're not in him no he's eternal he's perfect in every way but the only way you and i have life is by being in christ and being dependent upon him every single day jesus is telling us that christianity is not simply some event that happens at one point in our life but he's talking about this is a total life transformation now, many people, and, and you've probably been tempted or you know people who have thought like this, have minimized salvation in the Christian life to a decision that they made many, many, many years ago. You've probably heard someone say something like this. I know that I'm a Christian because I believed in Jesus 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Have you heard that? Yes, you've heard that. Yeah, see, we've got a hand raised. See, there's a little activity. So we know that that's what people have said. You have probably have said that. Maybe I have even. Yeah, there's no life in the battery. That's good, Chris. Make this happen here. (laughs) Bring forth. All right, we're back. Um, I have no idea where I am okay some people say they've been a Christian for 20 years or they, they're a Christian because they made a decision 20 years ago 30 years ago, 40 years ago do you know what you'll never see in the Bible? you'll never see any follower of Jesus say I'm a Christian because of a decision I made 50 years ago you will never find that terminology because salvation is not simply an event yes there is a start date right there is a day we actually do believe there is a day that we're made alive by god's grace but that's not it that day begins our race in christ that day begins our new life but what we often do is we have minimized salvation to simply a day, an event, to a baptism. And then we, we often, many will, will go about their lives as if their life is no different at all. In fact, other than maybe being a part of a church for an hour or two a week, you wouldn't know that there's any difference between them and an unbeliever. You know what I'm talking about. You, you know people like this. They're in every church. They're, they're all over. They wear the label Christian. But what Is Jesus telling us about a vine and a branch, about abiding in Jesus? He's saying that salvation is not simply a one-time decision that we trust in Jesus. Salvation is about trusting and depending upon Him every single moment of every single day. That's the life of a Christian. In fact, I remember when Uh, when we lived in Michigan, and we lived really close to Lake Michigan, and we would go out to the beach quite often, and I remember taking Ben, my son, and he was much smaller, and we'd go into Lake Michigan, and if you've ever been there, Lake Michigan looks like you're walking into an ocean. It's just massive. I mean, there's waves. There's everything, Um, and so uh, I would hold him, and we would go into into the lake, and as we went deeper and deeper, he'd kind of crawl up the leg, you know, till he's up here, and he's holding on to me, and I'm holding on to him, and as we get deeper, guess who holds on tighter? He holds on tighter and tighter and tighter because he knows that as long as he's with me, as long as he depends upon me, as long as I'm holding on to him, and he's holding on to me, he is perfectly safe at that moment and that's to be the picture of a christian life is that every moment we're depending upon the very grace of jesus christ so to be connected is to remember that our identity is in jesus christ that the vine that we have the life of the vine in us but be to be dependent means we know that we need his grace at every moment of our christian life not just to begin the race but to take every single step in the race as we await the day that Jesus returns. He's teaching us that our lives are fully dependent. Just as once we cut a branch off a vine, it dies. He says, no, you must continue to depend upon me at all times. And one of the primary ways we depend upon Jesus, one of the ways that we abide in him, one of the ways we know the grace that we need is through his word it's through his word in fact i'd say the primary way we demonstrate our dependence is through his word in fact if you look at verse 7 you'll read if you abide in me and what and my words abide in you jesus isn't talking about obedience right now He's not talking about obeying the word. He's talking about trusting in the word, depending upon the word. In John 8, 31, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He's not saying if you obey my word. Now, that's true. We'll get to that. But he's saying if you abide, if you believe, if you trust, if you depend upon the truth of my word. Or as Jesus says in the Beatitudes, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness by hungering for his word we're demonstrating our obedience i would say one of the greatest tragedies tragedies if not the greatest tragedy in the church today is the illiteracy of the church by far the greatest tragedy of the church and and i know that that's some of you here today and i make no apology for that one of the greatest tragedies we have is that christians don't know their bibles we think that we don't need to know them we think that we'll just rely upon others but here jesus is saying abide in me my word needs to abide in you if my word abides in you you are my disciples we're hungering and thirsting and feasting for the very word of god i tell you this is why this is why many christians we, we doubt their, we doubt our salvation we're frustrated with our prayer life we experience mediocre joy at best and many people just think that must be the christian life but i want you to just think look, look at our text verse 7 if we abide in jesus verse 7 your prayers will be answered if we abide in jesus verse 8 you will have assurance of salvation again verse 8 you will glorify god if we abide in jesus verse 11 your joy will be full he's not giving us a formula He's not giving us a 10 step method. He's telling us look, branches are connected to the vine, they depend upon the vine. And we have been saved by the grace of Jesus, made alive so that we every single day would be like the child clinging to the Father as he goes deep into the waters. So that we would hold on to God because we know he's holding on to us. That we'd experience his grace, his mercy. That as we go into the workplace, we can demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and the fruit. Why? Because we're depending upon His grace at every moment of the day. We can't make excuses for not knowing God's Word. Especially here in America where we have so much uh, just availability to the Word. But We have the Word. And remember jesus is in you transforming you making you more like himself so that will abide in his word you might not be a reader you might not read anything else but jesus is in you so that you will know his word and the more we abide the more we will hunger and thirst for his word The more we'll experience his joy, the more God will be glorified through our lives. The more our prayers will be answered. Why? Because we're going to understand the mind of Christ. We're going to know how to pray because our prayers are transformed by his word. So I want to ask you, before we look at the effect, are you abiding in Jesus? Are you connected? Do you know that your identity is in Jesus Christ? Have you believed in him? Are you abiding in him each and every day through his word, trusting in the truths of his word? Do you regularly remind yourself, man, apart from Christ, I'm a sinner deserving the full wrath of God, but only by his grace have I been saved. I encourage you, if, you, if you're just here and you just realize, I, I don't think I'm actually connected. I definitely have not been living dependent. And if abiding is pretty essential to the Christian life, but Jesus is kind of making it sound that way, then I just actually might not be a Christian. And you know what? That's a really good thing to know. Because now you know that you need Jesus. And you can repent and believe in him today. So I just want to encourage you. If you're there at this moment, you just go, I have not lived a dependent life upon the vine. Then repent and believe in Jesus today. Experience that life of Christ within you. Believe in him. Experience his life flowing through you that you would have his joy and learn to abide in him. Now maybe you're, you're the one we just talked about. You know that you're a believer, but you know that you're, you're abiding is it's just like a, a roller coaster. It's up and down. And much of the time, you're not in his word. And you've made the excuses, well, I'm not a reader. That's just not me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm probably just not supposed to live that way. We all make excuses to defend our sins. That's what we do. And if you realize you've not been abiding as, as Jesus is talking about abiding in his scripture, I encourage you to repent also. Receive the forgiveness that he has and trust in his spirit today that he will continue to work in you and grow in you, that you will have this joy, that you will have this assurance that God will be glorified in your life. The Christian life is about abiding. It's about being connected to Jesus. It's about being dependent upon him at every moment, It's knowing that when I go to work, when I go home, When I'm with my wife, when I'm with my kids, when I'm with the church, when I'm with those outside the church, neighbors, enemies, whoever it is, the only way I can love them, that I can be useful, that I can minister is by being dependent on Jesus. I need his grace at every moment of the day. That's what Jesus wants us to know. And then there's an effect. There's an effect that we have, and it is that we bear fruit. Seven times in verses 1 through 16, you'll read some type of combination of the words bear fruit. Branches that are connected to the vine do what? They bear fruit, right? We bear fruit. When we talk about bearing fruit, now let's just be clear, we're talking good works. That's what we're talking about. We're talking good works. Now remember, Israel in the Old Testament, because they didn't honor God, because they didn't abide in him, they did not display good works. They didn't love him. So Jesus is saying, but when you're connected to me and my life is in you, you will, the effect of that is you will bear good fruit. You will do good works. And so I just want to give one truth that we see because there's a lot that's here about bearing fruit, but just one. Every believer will increasingly bear more and more fruit. That's just what I want you to see. Every believer will increasingly bear more and more fruit. So no matter where you're at today, at the end of 2020, we'll say the end of 2020, you know, it's close, but end of 2020, end of 2021, end of 2022, guess what? You will be bearing more fruit. I mean, look at verse 16. We didn't read this one. It's just a little bit farther down. We read, In verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and, a little more confidently, that you should go and, there you go. So why did God choose you? Why did Jesus say, I choose you, I give you my grace, I connect you to the vine, why? So you will bear fruit. There is no Christian that doesn't bear fruit, because there's no Christian that Jesus has connected to himself that doesn't have the life of the vine in him, for the purpose of bearing fruit. I think it was a year or two ago. We were in James. Can't really remember. All the Years and months go by. But in James chapter 2 verse 17. We read faith by itself. If it does not have works. Is dead. Faith produces works. Just as the branches attached to the vine bear fruit. So believers who abide in Jesus. Do good works works. So the question then really is, is, what does this fruit look like? There's many ways that we could answer it, but probably one of the simplest ways we can answer it is what Jesus does in John 15 verse 12. So if you look at verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So if we're going to bear fruit, the primary fruit that we display is love. But it's not just any love. Because notice, he actually defines what this love will look like. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the love that we bear is defined and shaped by Jesus. Which would then make us ask the question, well, how did Jesus love us, right? If our fruit is supposed to look like the love of Jesus, how did Jesus love us? Well, we see he left heaven came to earth, lived a sacrificial life to the point where he would die on the cross, putting you and my, me, our needs before his own, dying on the cross, three days later, rising again so that you and I could be saved, could have life, could be adopted, could be forgiven, could be a part of his eternal kingdom. It's a sacrificial love that places the needs of others before ourselves. jesus in john 13 35 after he washes the disciples feet you know what he says he says by this all people will know that you're my disciples so here's, here's a good one how, how are people going to know that we're his disciples he says if you have love for one another now surely jesus here in, ch- in chapter 15 and in 13 he's certainly talking about the love that we have for one another in the church okay but we know that he also loves those outside the church. We're to be characterized by love. Hear this. The li- your life is the means in which the world will hear and see the love of Jesus. Do you know that? Your life is the means in which God has chosen for the world to see and hear the life of Jesus. I mean, when you look at a vine, what do you see? The fruit of the branches. When you look at Jesus, when the world looks at Jesus, how are they going to see him? Through the fruit of the church. Through the fruit of every disciple. It's through you. It's through you, me. God has chosen you. He's chosen me. He's chosen every believer to be the means which his glory will be displayed in this world. And that happens as we love one another. We put the needs of one another before ourselves, which is why when we come together every week, this is an incredible fellowship that we have. And it truly is a foretaste of the much greater kingdom. Because when we come, we're literally encouraging one another with the love of Christ. Building one another, sacrificing for one another, always putting the needs of others before ourselves. We don't do that perfectly, but that's what we're striving to do here within the church. And then we're to do that outside the church also last week chris, chris gorman preached a message which was supposed to be after this sermon but you know we'll just blame bobby gaither um so chris gorman preached the message it was an incredible message on love your enemies and he preached it from luke 6 and he he read the verses that says if you love those who love you what good is that if you do good to those who do good to you what good is that i mean anybody can love other people for their own benefit right And if you're going to do good to me, I have no problem doing good to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Uh, We like reciprocation, right? But Jesus says, what what good is that? We love those who can't love us back. We love our enemies. We love those who won't love us back. Now, how do we do that? How do we love people inside the church that sometimes rub us the wrong way? How do we love family members that eh, rub us the wrong way? How do we love coworkers that share different political views? How do we love our neighbors that share different political views? How do we love those who right now in a very divisive, angry culture are very angry? And they're very upfront with their views and abrasive with their views. It feels like you're rubbing up against sandpaper. How do we rub that? Or how do we, how do we love them? Sandpaper. How do we love them? Only if we know that we're connected to the vine and we're dependent upon the vine. We need his grace every moment of the day so that we would love others and remember that everyone needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's more things that we could look at there. Uh, But one last thing, just so you see. In verse 2... Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it bear, may bear more fruit. We know that the Father is the vine dresser. He has two roles. He cuts branches that don't bear fruit, throws them into the fire. And number two, for every disciple, for everyone who believes in him, he prunes. So you and I will be more fruitful. that's why we can say at the end of this year at the end of 21 at the end of 22 at the end of 23 we ought to be increasing in our fruitfulness because the father promises that he prunes us so we'll be more fruitful and just real interesting i mean fruit or the pruning most likely refers to trials and disciplines and we could look at that but in verse three Jesus says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word clean is the same word for prune in verse 2. And so if the word is the means in which we are cleansed, and in which we come to faith, then surely by placing this verse right after the verse that says the Father will prune us, will clean us, is to make us realize that the means in which we are pruned is also through the word. So it's through the word that we come to faith. It's through the word that we know we're connected to Jesus. It's through the word that we know we're dependent upon Jesus. And it's through the word that we are pruned so we will bear more and more fruit. So I want to encourage you, what what we need from you as a church, what your wife needs, what your husband needs, what your kids need, what your family needs, what, what your neighbors need, what this world needs is a people of God that abide in Jesus we're hungry for his word we devour his word trusting in it knowing the promises of god so that as we go out we're going out as those who are connected and dependent upon the vine that we would bear fruit so that when people see you when people see me they're seeing the love of christ when you're engaged, and I, I so encourage you right now, to be really engaged with all of your friends in politics. I really encourage you to do that, and to blow them away with how you love them and how you talk about them and about people of different political parties. Right now, let it be that your language is so different from them, and they go, "How do you speak like that?" Because the love of Christ. Let them see. That you are not first and foremost Republican or Democrat, but you are first and foremost citizen of God's kingdom. And let the gospel be what they see and hear from us. We're called to abide in Christ so that we would bear fruit and the world would see the love of Christ. That's what it is to be a disciple. We're going to pray and uh, we're going to go into communion here. Father, we pray.